From women who advocated for defunding the police now crying that their streets aren't safe, to the Portland justice system ruling in favor of Antifa in their brutal beating of Andy No, reporting on stopping or complaining about crime gets you anything but justice in 2023. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, your host for this episode as we delve, as we venture, as we dive into the insanity that is modern-day America. Today, we are going to take a peek at American cities and see how they are holding up, if they're thriving, if they're being destroyed, how the justice system is working in modern-day America, if criminals are allowed to run rampant, or if we have any semblance of a justice system left. Surprise, surprise, and I'll ruin it for you. Uh, we don't really have one anymore. We're going to be getting into all of that today. We're also going to be focusing in, of course, on the one family who is allowed to circumvent the justice system. The title of today's show is Stop Crime, Go Straight to Jail. Reminds me of that meme from Parks and Rec where they bring on, I can't even remember the exact episode, but basically the guy's whole thing is like straight to jail, st straight to jail. And that's America in the modern day. You report crime, you go to jail. You stop a thief, you go to jail. You want to secure the border, straight to jail. You try to hold the Bidens accountable for their corruption, straight to jail. So we're going to be getting into all of that and more on this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Before we get into the inner workings of our decomposing society you guys do know that i have to bring up a couple of things starting off with subscribe star now we are having a very special exclusive super amazing merch drop in october that is going to be one week long very excited for this my subscribe star subscribers will be getting first look at some of the merch they're going to get the behind the scenes you guys are going to get input on what you like what you don't like on some designs so if you guys want some behind the scenes go check out the subscribe star the link is down below also everything donated via subscribe star goes straight back into the show straight back to make into making good products for you guys link for that one is down below or you guys can go leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts if you like the show as well I promised you guys I would start reading podcasts, so let me read two real quick before we jump in. The first one is from Process, who says, Sav is a superstar. You have to listen to this warrior for the truth. Thank you for all you do, Savannah. You are a rock star and do phenomenal work. Keep the hits coming. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Thank you, Process. So sweet. I love reading your guys' reviews. Uh, La Hermana says, awesome. This gal is hysterical in a good way and joy. So thank you so much to every single listener and subscriber who likes, shares, leaves a five-star review. Also, for that merch drop come October, that is going to be on my website, savsaysofficial.com. I also write a lot of articles on top of reporting the news to you guys. Give me a commentary. You can find all of my articles in the articles tabs. I work with the Post Millennial and uh, I write quite a bit for them. So new articles that I drop go straight onto that website. Now let's get into the important stuff. Let's get into what's going on in modern day America. Now I saw this headline that was swirling. And remember the 7-Eleven worker that we all cheered for, that we were all excited about last week that was whapping a thief with a gigantic broomstick after the thief tried to steal from his store. Well, more has come out about this story. Apparently, this thief had robbed this same store two times prior, and the owner was finally just like, you know what, I've had enough, you're getting whapped. We all watched the video where the guy was like, no, no, you can't do anything. You just gotta let him go. Like, just, you know, there's nothing that you can do, man. There's nothing that you can do. And the store owner was like, uh, I bet you there is. You know what, just so we can all refresh 
on how great this video was. And if you haven't seen it, let's let's rewatch uh, the vigilante justice in action of this 7-Eleven store owner just straight up taking justice into his own hands because this is in California, by the way, where laws just don't exist. Quick refresher on the story we're talking about. Ain't nothing you can do, man, until the police come in. Hey, hey, no, you, hey, don't, hey. Ain't nothing you can do, man. Don't do that. Don't do that, man. Don't do that. Bam, bam. So man just comes in hot, all right? He's whapping that stick. Now, when I first saw this video, I was like, you know, if uh, the average child's parent disciplined them properly and raised them up to be a good citizen of America, then it wouldn't be up to uh, Indian 7-Eleven store owners to whap them as adults. But here we are as a country. So I was seeing the headline that this 7-Eleven worker who, would, who stopped the would-be thief was under investigation for assault. And that was actually one of the inspirations for today's show because I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Another person stops a criminal and they get the justice system pinned on them. What, another worker stops a thief, they get fired. Uh, another business owner stops a looter, they get arrested. Is this really where we're at? Another person, uh, you know, stab somebody in self-defense that happened to a bodega owner in New York, and then they arrested the bodega owner. Now, luckily, with uh, pretty much each one of these stories outside of the fire workers, uh, some of the fired workers did get their job backs. Others, like the Lululemon employees, not so lucky. But the bodega worker in New York, the charges were uh, essentially dropped for that. And then an update on the 7-Eleven owner. He is not being charged for the beatdown of the looter. So vigilante justice came out swinging, came out on top. Now, the reason why there was some confusion is because the... Uh, Stockton mayor came out and was like, yes, there was an investigation going on into the assault initially, but then they clarified that the store owner was uh, never the focus of the investigation. However, the looter was. So very happy to see that this is getting investigated properly and hopefully our justice system does what it is supposed to do. Because unfortunately in Portland, we did not see the same thing happen and we are seeing the degradation of a lot of these west coast and east coast cities now before we get into the andy no trial because this is something that has been going on for a long time andy finally was able to uh bring his his case before a jury in portland and because it is portland and they don't really have a justice system it went about as well as you would expect it to so before we get into that story and just the complete degradation of uh, American justice systems in blue cities. Let's take a peek at what's happening on the East and West Coast. Now, this is a clip from California. I'm not sure which part, but um, th this is basically, and this is hard for me to watch too, because this is a woman who is getting her bike stolen. She's screaming for help. And if you're a podcast listener, let me just tell you, nobody is helping her. Watch the video. So absolutely heartbreaking video. 
this woman is screaming, somebody help me, please help me. And this robber just comes, grabs this woman's bike, takes off with it. And people are just walking their dogs. They're just, you know, basically lollying about acting like it's a normal day because it's California and there is so much crime and there are so many instances like this, that this is essentially a normal day. Uh, here is a piece that CNN just did from Oakland where Again, there's no law and order in California at all, right? Your, your car is just going to get jacked. You're just going to get mugged. If you're in San Francisco, um, you know, I've reported on this before, how people have resorted to just rolling down their windows or keeping their trunks open so thieves can dig through their car to see that there's nothing there, as opposed to breaking the windows. That is the state of San Francisco. Um <clears throat> You know, you have tourists go to San Francisco, they leave their vehicle for two minutes, they come back, every window smashed, and they're like, why aren't the police doing anything? This seems very lawless. What's going on? And San Franciscans are just like, oh, yeah, that's normal, probably your fault for, you know, not rolling down your windows for the thieves. Now, here's another example of what California is suggesting people do to combat crime. Let's think of some of the other things. Okay, San Francisco, roll down your windows so thieves don't smash them. Expect them to go through your personal belongings to see that nothing of importance is there. Uh, don't wear jewelry outside. They said that in LA if you don't want to get robbed. And uh, here's the newest one. This is in Oakland because the crime is so bad out there. I can't take it anymore. I got to the point I was too scared to leave my house. Cook blames brazen assaults and robberies in broad daylight, break-ins and home invasions across the city as Oakland sees a surge in reported violent crimes this year compared to last. While homicides are down, robberies, burglaries, and rape are all up by double-digit percentages. Everyone we talk to says it doesn't matter your race, your income, everyone seems to be a target, including carjackings. But Tony Bird is staying. She lives with a locked front gate and five security cameras. Bird says Oakland police recommended steel braces for residential doors and I mean, I air horns. The idea is if you set it off, your neighbor would hear it, set theirs off, and more people are alert that there's danger. So welcome to California. No, don't call the police. Don't expect them to come. Just make sure that you're not wearing jewelry and that you're using an air horn to fight crime. Uh, I think this is one of the funniest renditions of what it's going to be like for people trying to fight crime in California from now on. And it's a mugger with a knife. And then it's a guy like crouched over with an air horn, like, please. And the caption is people in California fighting crime like and, and it's just absolutely comical because this is the real life advice that people people are being given because we have no more law and order in our cities. And again, I don't say this to you guys to be a black pill to make us sad about the state of America, uh, but more than anything to highlight the realities of the defund the police movement, right? Uh, some of the realities of what happens when you advocate for basic laws and orders to be removed from a civil society. Said civil society turns into a third world country where you have people mugging you on the street and spitting in your face. Now, going back to San Francisco, this video has been going viral of this young woman who is just in absolute tears because she's walking down the street and she doesn't feel safe. And then this guy just spits in her face. So let's watch the video here, okay? If you guys have already seen this, just watch it again. And uh, let me explain here the 
average mindset of your California liberal or for anybody who advocates for basic laws to be removed and then cries when said laws are removed. Uh, example one. I'm literally shaking right now. I was just getting groceries and I live in San Francisco and I never really feel fully safe. If you live in San Francisco, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And I just got groceries. I'm walking out of the store and this guy is walking past me and says, move you stupid bitch. And he spits in my face, spits all over my face. And then I say, excuse me, did you just spit in my face? And he says, move or I'll rape you. There's also people everywhere and everyone's just walking by because they're like, I can't handle something else in San Francisco. It's always something else. I don't even know why I'm posting this. If you live in San Francisco, do you feel this way all the time? I don't feel safe ever. I literally never feel safe. It's better when it's daylight, but nighttime, no, not leaving my house. Okay, so there she is saying that she never feels safe in San Francisco. A guy comes down the street, spits in her face, that this is kind of just the norm. Now, another video resurfaced from this same woman's TikTok account. So I'm going to play it for you guys. And then for the podcast listeners, I'm going to describe what's going on in the video. Okay, so I'm going to a 4th of July party today to meet the guy I'm seeing, his friends. I'm not very patriotic. And they said, wear red, white, and blue. And I don't have anything red, white, and blue. But I have something red, so I'm going to wear it before you freak out, before you freak out. It says, made you look, Black Lives Matter. Um, so obviously, we'll be wearing this to the party. And um, they're from Ohio, most of his friends, so they're probably Republicans, so uh, wish me luck. So they're probably Republicans. So uh, <laughs> so I saw this video, and like I said, when I see any video of somebody being brutally attacked in a blue city or somebody talking about their experience, I don't like to automatically jump to the, well, they probably voted for this. They probably voted Democrat. I just don't like doing it because... I honestly think that we shouldn't be living in a society where you should expect to be jumped in a blue city. But in this case, this woman did in fact vote for this exact thing. If you are wearing a hat that says Black Lives Matter, what did Black Lives Matter advocate for and were successful at? Oh, that's right. Defunding the police. And what are we currently living through? The repercussions of yes the defund the police movement now i live in texas but i even live in a democrat city i live in austin we were also severely hit by the defund the police movement guess what happens if you call the police here they don't show up they just go is your emergency really like an emergency or is it like you could like handle it yourself like did you already get robbed because if you did do we really need to come down there? I think you've got this, homie. Like, let's just pick this back up in the morning. Or are you, like, actively in the process of being shot? Like, on a scale from 1 to 10, how would you gauge this emergency? That's basically the police force in blue cities now. So this woman absolutely in tears because a man spits in her face. Same woman is wearing a Black Lives Matter hat who... Black Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter entire MO was to defund the police and create this lawless type state. So congratulations, you got your BLM city. So go wear your red BLM hat and uh, live in the squalor that you created. And again, I don't like having this mentality. But of course, we all know that things really do have to get exponentially worse before they get better. And the average person that is advocating for these things does have to learn a hard lesson. And unfortunately, for those of us with common sense that are like, yeah, I don't think that removing basic laws and the police force that keeps our civil society civil is the greatest idea. We unfortunately also fall victim to the just dumb 
retarded mentality of these other adults who are living in la-la land, who have gone to college and have been indoctrinated to think that uh, socialism is a great thing because people are inherently good and we're all just going to work together and it's going to be rainbows and happiness and butterflies and we can just defund the police because criminals, they, they're, they're just they're just things to see bread for their families, guys. Like, they're not just going to, you know, run up on you and rob you for no reason. They have a reason. They, they rob Louis Vuitton stores because they need food for their families, okay? So, yeah, they're living in this weird utopia, and then said utopia gets put into action. It doesn't work. We saw this as well. I think the best experimentation was Chaz. Do you remember Chaz in Seattle, guys? The autonomous zone where a bunch of liberals took over a block of Seattle and they were like, this is the Seattle autonomous zone. And then a bunch of people, like young teenagers got shot. Buildings were burned down. It was all out hysteria. And then they actually ended up having to use the government, the taxpayer funded fire department to come and fix the problems in there. And it just basically fell apart within a matter of weeks. That's their utopia when it's actually enacted. Now, we took a peek at the West Coast. Let's take a peek um, on the East Coast here. Going over to New York, there was a riot this weekend. There was a riot in New York, okay? So apparently this Twitch streamer was like, I'm going to give away PS5s in Union Square. And then there was a huge riot. So thousands of people overran Union Square Park and surrounded lanes of traffic on Friday 4.30 p.m., the situation was absolutely out of control. Going to play you guys some footage of what Union Square Park looked like. And then also, too, this giveaway just took an insane turn. Um, cops in riot gear ended up having to come out. There were street vendors that were getting robbed because this gigantic mob just descended on New York City and it was absolutely chaotic and lawless. Local authorities estimated over 2,000 people were in the area as police were trying to calmly disperse the crowd. Now, several officers were injured. It was also reported that some officers had their guns taken away from them, that the officers were slashed and had their guns taken away. And, uh, you know, the funniest part, too, is that in the reporting of this, uh, the reporting is saying like, oh, cops were trying to use pepper spray. They didn't want to antagonize the crowd. They were trying to handle, handle it peacefully. But the reason why there was even this riot to begin with, the reason why we are seeing all of these people wild out is because this is lawless country and they know they're really not going to face repercussion. If you want to go beat up a cop, just make sure you're in a blue city and you'll get away with it scot-free. If you want to go and be a domestic terrorist, just make sure you go do it in a blue city. You're going to get off scot-free. Just make sure you say that you're Antifa and you were fighting fascists aka anybody whose political ideology you don't agree with because for some reason uh, we've gotten so far away from og america where people could actually have their own freedom of thought freedom of opinion freedom of speech doesn't exist anymore in these streets before we get into and you know here a couple more stories from new york asylum seeker allegedly raped woman in front of three-year-old in nyc funded hotel room now the interesting thing about this report is that the article writer tried to say oh well this wasn't an asylum seeker who just you know scooped a woman off the street and raped her uh they knew each other the the woman and the guy um, that were in this altercation they knew each other and they were in one of these hotels 
So this is what is happening in the taxpayer-funded hotels in New York. If you guys want more insight into that, I just did a video about it on my YouTube channel, shorter form content like a lot of you guys have been asking for, where I basically delve into the numbers of how much taxpayer dollars are going into these hotels, and this is what is happening. This is who is coming across our border. You know, Donald Trump was criticized so much for saying that rapists and criminals are coming across the border and then fast forward what four years later and now we have rapists and criminals in the united states because we didn't secure our border so i don't know i i see no lies detected in what he said and things have gotten so out of control with the defund the police movement with the border being wide open with every single part of society that we now have democrats that are calling to secure said border last year it was or last week Apologies, not last year. Every week feels like a year in this crazy clown world. Last week, we had Eric Adams calling for the border to be secured, for the federal government to step in and start locking things down because things are getting kind of wild. And hey, we didn't mind the border being open when it was just Texas that was affected, when it was just Arizona that was overrun, when it was just bits of California that had to deal with this. But now that you have them coming up, to Martha's Vineyard, to Soho in New York, disgusting. We cannot have that. Please take these dirty migrants and put them back in the other states. Not here, not here. Oh, we're a sanctuary city and we wanted migrants to come up here and we told them that we'd give them free stuff. That was a lie. Please deport. That's New York now. Now, uh, regarding the defund the police movement, uh, here's a peek at a DC council member talking about what needs to happen because crime has gotten so out of control in Washington, D.C. I have spoken with the D.C. National Guard. And while I have to have more conversations with the chief police, which I have today, and the mayor and my colleagues, we have a long way to get there. We just know that police alone is not getting it done. So there you guys go. The crime in D.C. is so bad that police alone ain't getting it done. Now we got to bring in the National Guard. Uh, you know, RNC Research were the ones that originally put this out. And they stated after the DC Council spent years pushing pro-criminal anti-police policies, because keep in mind, I believe this was just last year, at the end of last year, maybe beginning of this year, they basically decriminalized car burglary. They were like, oh, we're going to make that a lesser charge. We're going to make it a misdemeanor, I believe, from a felony. So yes, they have been pushing pro-criminal anti-police policies. We saw the Black Lives Movement, uh, their headquarters in the nation were in Washington, D.C. They not only burned it down, but they painted Black Lives Matter all over our nation's capital and our politicians succumbed to their defund the police wants and screams and this is the result now crime is so out of control that we're needing to call in the national guard absolutely insane now let's go ahead and take a peek at how the justice system is doing okay so the George Floyd situation we're still seeing bits and pieces of that story come about and the Minneapolis judge was uh, basically dealing with uh, Tothau, who is a former police officer who held back bystanders as other officers were dealing with George Floyd. So that's basically what happened in this case. And he has since been sentenced to four years and nine months in state prison because he was holding back bystanders and apparently allowed these other officers to pin George Floyd down. 
Now, it's really interesting because what I like to do to decompress is listen to comedians. Andrew Schultz is one of my favorite. I listen to his podcast. And even his podcast, his crowd, because they're comedians, you know, they're a little bit more liberal. They're a little bit more leftist. And sometimes they'll talk about political issues. George Floyd gets brought up. People will say immediately, oh, George Floyd died because of a knee on his neck. I think he even had a guest that was like, oh, George Floyd died from fentanyl poisoning. And Andrew Schultz was like, no, that's a crazy thing to say. George Floyd died because of a knee on his neck. Now, you can go look at the autopsy reports that said that uh, George Floyd had fentanyl in his system. You can go watch the body cam footage that had George Floyd saying, I can't breathe in the back of the police car before even being put on the ground, which, by the way, he was asked to put on. He was like, please, I want to go lie down on the ground. Don't make me sit in the back of this police car. I want to go lie on the ground. The reason they even put George Floyd on the ground was because he asked to be there. And then it turned into the whole knee on the neck. Country gets burned down. These lies get told. And now this officer who was holding back bystanders, who was just trying to, I would imagine as well, just keep the peace in this situation, which already looked chaotic, is now going to jail for four years and nine months. So just a peek at the United States justice system. Now let's take a peek at Portland and the Andy No trial. So this trial has been going on for the past week and its conclusion or it reached its conclusion just yesterday. But let me give you guys an example of how this trial has been going because anytime Andy No goes to Portland, Antifa is immediately tracking him down. They're threatening him, harassing him. I have been in Portland with Andy, you know, at the same time visiting him. And you can see that he is visibly afraid to be there because Portland is such a blue city that you really can't defend yourself over there. Or again, the full force of the law is going to be held up against you. Meanwhile, the people who are actually trying to intimidate you, threaten you, attack you, kill you will get off scot-free. So Andy No is having his trial in Portland this week and he basically uh, brought this case up against John Hacker I can't remember the name of the other Antifa member female who brutally attacked him now we all watched Andy No get brutally attacked time and time again uh, we all remember the famous milkshake incident in which Andy is mobbed they throw various items at him they begin to surround him they throw milkshakes on him honestly andy is a good friend of mine so watching this video is so heartbreaking to me because they are just domestic terrorists that go ham on him because he had the audacity to go out and report the reality of what is going on on portland streets so this is what he was met with now they attacked him many more times it wasn't just this instance and the trial was this week so let's get into a little bit of the precursor to the actual uh verdict so this was yesterday the judge in the andy no trial just admitted that jurors reported antifa was trying to dox them a journalist was accosted by antifa inside the courthouse you think they won't threaten trump jurors to understand where we are headed so Pashovic kind of talking about 2024 alluding what's going to what is going to happen ahead of 2024, but focusing in on that beginning part there on Andy No's trial. The jurors were being threatened. I believe the defense attorney for the Antifa members looked at the jurors and said herself, I am Antifa, and that she would remember every face of every juror. I don't know how that isn't juror intimidation, but some examples of what was going on in this case. And then 
yesterday as well. Andy No was harassed this morning on his way into court by alleged members of Antifa. The jury told the judge that they are concerned about being doxxed and said people are trying to find out who they are. Great job to Katie Davis Court for being there on the ground to report what happened on this trial. And unfortunately, Katie didn't get out unscathed either. We'll get into what happened to Katie here in a second. Then the verdict came out last night. Portland jury finds Antifa militants not liable in and you know attack. Defense attorney declares, I am Antifa. The defendant's attorney told the jurors that she will remember each one of their faces. So apparently uh, both of these defendants, John Hacker and Elizabeth Richter, are not liable in the civil case that was brought against them by Andy No. And again, No brought this case forward uh, because they had attacked him multiple times. They brought forward the evidence, the videos. But what this looks like to me, cut and dry, is that the jurors were intimidated, that the justice system in Portland is so warped and skewed that you can now attack somebody for having different political opinions than you and it is okay my main takeaway from this was that oops uh this is going to set the precedent for 2024 because we did have the entire country what uh brutally watch let me rephrase that we had the entire country watch as andy was brutally attacked by antifa and Again, my takeaway from this was that the verdict not only emboldens Antifa terrorists, but sets the precedent for future attacks on anyone who dares to report on or defy the domestic terrorists who run blue cities ahead of 2024. Now, when 2016 through 2020 was happening and there were various marches for Donald Trump, I was on the ground. I was at all of these rallies. I was in Washington, D.C. for the Million MAGA March. Um Shortly after the November election in 2020, there was a lot of MAGA supporters. There was a lot of energy. There was also a lot of people who hated Donald Trump attacking these MAGA supporters. I remember watching a family completely harassed and surrounded by a Black Lives Matter and Antifa mob that were all decked out in black. These poor little kids were crying because their dad was trying to defend them. Uh, this other woman who, she didn't even have a Trump flag, okay? She had an American flag, uh, got her hair pulled, got her flag pulled down. These people were just being attacked and the police stood by and did nothing. So that is what this case sets the precedent for. 2024, we know that Antifa... <clears throat> is already emboldened. We already know that the Democrats are on their side, consistently running cover for them. Oh, what's Antifa? Antifa doesn't exist. Antifa is just a right-wing myth. But then you have people that are in black block, burning down your business, beating you up in the street because you report on their crimes. And Democrats are like, oh, we don't know what that is. We have no idea. It's the, milita the militant wing of the Democratic Party, essentially. And they're activated ahead of 2024. That's what this sets the precedent for. For anybody... Not even just Trump supporters, but anybody with common sense, anybody who is anti-Democrat, anti-the entire country being destroyed, they will be targeted, they will be attacked by these Antifa members. Because keep in mind, like I just said, it's not just the MAGA flags that trigger these people. If you have the audacity to wave an American flag in your own country, they will take it, they will target you, they will burn the flag. I've seen it happen many a time. So very heartbreaking to see where we're at. And I remember the sense of desperation. I felt it myself. I'm not being able to defend yourself in a blue city and watching Antifa just go ham on people, watching Black Lives Matter, uh, loot, riot, rob, murder, do whatever they wanted to. And if you 
were of the wrong political leaning, or if you were there to support Donald Trump and you were getting beat up because you wore a MAGA hat and you tried to defend yourself, the police would target you and the police would come after you. So it was really interesting because I started off 2020 and the Black Lives Matter riots, like very pro-police. I was like, you know, this is wrong. The police shouldn't be getting bricks thrown at their head. And then a year and a half later, I was watching the police stand by and look on and actually direct families into crowds of Black Lives Matter militants and get attacked. And the police say, sorry, we can't do anything. And I was just like, wow. Okay. Incredible. So really interesting. Also, too, I wanted to talk about what happened to Katie. Now, Katie Davis Court was the reporter. She works for the Post Millennial. Good friend of mine as well. She was reporting on Andy No's trial against Antifa all week. And after that final verdict, she came back to find her car smashed. Her windows were busted out. Her items were stolen. Her personal identification documents were taken. And... This is what happens when you go and you report on Antifa criminals in the United States of America in 2023. It's one of the reasons I don't go to Portland because I really don't feel like getting shot and then there being zero justice for the people who attacked me. I've seen Antifa chase grown like old men with steel bats for even just saying like, yeah, I'm not going to move or I'm going to record this because I'm curious as to what's going on. Because, you know, you're walking around Portland, you see a bunch of people LARPing in the middle of the day, 2 p.m. dressed in black. You're like, what the heck is this? You know, I watched this 40 year old woman and she's filming it. And then Antifa starts mobbing her because they're like, what are you doing? Why are you filming? And it's like, because you guys look like idiots. So it's one of the reasons I don't report on Antifa in Portland. That entire city has fallen to radical liberals and it's sad but that's the absolute state of it that's the absolute state of blue cities in the united states of america and their justice systems and a big part of that is due to the lack of structure the lack of law and order to the lack of basic fathers i actually saw this video circulating through twitter and i was like you know if we had more strong men like this leading our society not only being fathers in the home but also leading our government leading our cities leading our school boards our country would look drastically different and i'm playing this because this video also was kind of nostalgic for me my father has had conversations like this with me um you know because it's me guys i had a big attitude when i was a kid okay imagine that me and my mom got into a bunch of shouting matches then my dad would come he would set me down he'd be like why do you think it's okay to talk to my wife that way you think it's okay to slam doors in my house so he would very much lay down the law and discipline me and my siblings And again, we took that into adulthood and we're not out in the streets of New York rioting and looting and thinking we can do whatever we want. We're not out in the streets uh, going and burning down businesses and smashing people's car windows and being thieves. So saw this video and I was like, how much different would our country look if more men were like this with their kids? Like she crazy, cursing at her, telling her what you won't do. You won't clean your room. You won't do what you want to do. And you talk to your mother like that? Like you talk? Do you think you talk, little man? Talk to me like you talk to your mother. Talk to me. You think you talk, don't you? Bust up on me. Cuss me out. Tell me you ain't gonna do what I say do. I dare you. I dare you. You ain't gonna do it to me? Why you do it to her? So I actually really like this video because like I said, this is discipline. You know, some people might watch this and be like, oh, that's so uncomfortable. But I watched it and I was like, ah, 
my dad's had conversations like that with me, or I've seen conversations like that between my cousins and their parents. And we've all grown up to be disciplined adults who are not out here acting like we're living in a third world country and also being a part of the chaos in today's modern day society. So it's like, this is the type of men that we need. These are the types of fathers that we need. This is why our country is in such a disarray because the average person never had a strong male figure to sit down and say, hey, you need to respect women. You need to respect laws. You need to respect authority to an extent. And now we're living in lawless country where you have liberals that are like, defund the police. Oh, I don't feel safe. I'll open the border. Oh, but like, don't let the migrants come to New York. Don't do that. Oh, uh, a human life is worth more than property. But also, I can't believe all my stuff got stolen. It's absolute ridiculousness. And speaking of the border. Yeah, somebody went through a lot of ridiculous effort to design these. So these are <laughs> the buoys in the Rio Grande River right now. Sorry, I started that clip kind of suddenly. But speaking of the border, this is what is currently floating in the river right now between Mexico and the U.S. And the Libs got a hold of it. And I have been laughing my butt off just watching the response. Okay, so the liberals are saying, oh, my gosh, I can't believe there's saws in between the buoys. This is horrible. This is a humanitarian crisis. Uh, Lakin Jordal was one of the most viral dramatic people here he he's a reporter for <clears throat> who did he write this piece for it was down here and i don't know where it went but he he wrote a piece on this right basically saying texas governor greg habit has installed circular saws between the rio grande border buoys to maim or kill anyone who attempts to climb over two bodies have already been found trapped in the floating barrier he wants more migrants to die and then you see all of these other democrat politicians standing next to the scary saws and they're like oh my gosh this is so horrible greg abbott it's chopping up migrants it's horrible so this is the level of drama we're dealing with, my friends. Now, I responded to this and I was like, if the migrants don't want to get sawed, all they have to do is not touch the saws. I see no problem here. And it's just so funny to me because these Democrats don't actually care about securing the border. They don't actually care about migrant lives because, uh, one, the two bodies that have been found, they drowned in the river they, they weren't sawed. They, they didn't meet the saws and get chopped up into a bunch of little pieces. No, they drowned in the river upstream. And then one of the bodies floated down to the buoys and got stuck in the buoy. They found the body there. The other body was just found way upstream. But then they tried to tie it to this and be like, oh, bodies are being found in the river because people are getting sawed. Okay, then don't get in the river. Don't get sawed. By the way, no one has even gotten sawed yet. So they're pushing this false narrative right now because they don't want the border secure because they hate this country. And uh, it's just so hilarious to me how they pretend to be these humanitarians who love the migrants and care about them when these buoys have probably saved more lives by deterring migrants from getting in the river and stopping them from drowning so apparently these have been extremely effective there was a local policeman that was uh talking to a new york post reporter and he was like yeah uh 
There are very few people going over these buoys right now. They are definitely stopping the flow of illegal immigrants coming in from Mexico. So, of course, naturally, the Democrats have to come in and be like, how dare you institute law and order in this country? How dare you try to stop the cartels from bringing their drugs in across this border? How dare you stop child trafficking and human smuggling? We are going to make this such a big issue and turn this into a humanitarian crisis where poor migrant children and mothers are being chopped up by saws by border patrol like texas chainsaw freaking massacre up in this hole no there's some there's some sharp objects between some buoys don't touch them and you'll be okay that's the basic it's basic analysis of that because democrats because liberals are so dramatic and so i don't want to say that they're dumb they're just i don't even know what the word would be they're just so ignorant of the realities of what taking away laws looks like, which is why they cry when they get spit in their face and they get robbed, even though their own policies institute that. Like they're so ignorant of what their own utopia put into practice actually looks like that they really go and they try to make issue out of us protecting the border. And like I said, we institute basic laws and it's just mind blowing to them. And they're like, I can't believe I'm witnessing a literal hate crime right now. How dare you put up a barrier in the river? Horrible. So there you guys go. Now, Donald Trump was giving a speech the other day, and this man has brought back that 2016 energy. Also, in regards to the migrants, this is what he had to say. Donald Trump isn't really playing. I don't know how true this statement is either, because I feel like we, we heard similar rhetoric back in 2016, where he was like, people are getting deported. And now he's saying the same thing, essentially. But I'm like, okay, is that actually going to happen? Or is this scare tactics? Or has the border gotten so out of hand that Donald Trump, like dark mode activated. This is him right now regarding the border. I will immediately terminate every open borders policy of the Biden administration. Our country is being invaded. Following the Eisenhower model, we will use all necessary state, local, federal, and military resources to carry out the largest domestic deportation operation in American history. Gotta do it. Gotta do it. All right, so there you guys go. Donald Trump just wanted basic border security put in place, and then Bidens were like, nope, open that hole wide open. Let everybody in. They basically hoard out America. They let everybody inside. Horrible. And then Donald Trump is now coming in like, deport, you're out, we're done. I don't know if he's actually going to do this, but this is going to be interesting, and it's going to be another talking point that's going to be used ahead of 2024 to fear monger to the illegal community that's here that's like, oh, no, don't please vote Democrat, because if you vote Donald Trump, then your family get deported. It's going to be bad. So we'll see um, the realities of what happens, but this is one of the things Donald Trump is campaigning on because a lot of people are upset with how the border is being handled right now. Even the liberals in New York were like, yeah, we welcome migrants, but like not in our neighborhoods, though. Put them over there. Find somewhere else for them. Okay? Okay. Now, speaking of the one family who actually can circumvent and break the laws and continuously get away with it because of the same justice system I was just talking about, we are now going to delve into the Biden family, our favorite mafia family running the United States of America, okay? Now, 
we all know about the little cocaine baggie story. They found a little cocaine bag in the White House and people were like, whoa, whose cocaine baggie is this? Couldn't be Hunter Biden, the crackheads. Absolutely not. And then Secret Service was like, we don't know whose cocaine it is. Do you think it's Hunter Biden's? Kind of looks like he's on cocaine right now. Definitely not his. No, it's probably the tourists. It's probably a Mexican construction workers. These were all people they were trying to pin. They were like, oh, those are probably, you know, the people who brought this cocaine into one of the most secure areas in Washington, D.C. Well, uh, per the New York Post, White House cocaine may have belonged to someone in the Biden family orbit. Surprise, surprise, guys. I know we we're all shocked that the bag of cocaine found in the West Wing last month reportedly may have belonged to someone in the Biden family orbit. And the president allegedly knows who it is. I mean, I, for one, am just baffled. It's like, who could it be? Crackhead Hunter Biden, notorious for using various substances that are illegal, or maybe the 12 year old tour group that just came through the White House. I'm going to go ahead and blame the 12 year olds. All right, moving on. Let's take a peek at what else the Bidens are up to. From the post millennial, 20 million in payouts to Bidens from Russia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan oligarchs during VP term uncovered by the House Oversight Committee. Wow, more foreign money that went into Biden's pocket. That's crazy, guys. It's so crazy. No bank records showing corruption in the Biden family influence peddling scheme were released on Wednesday by the House Oversight Committee. The committee posted to Twitter that they identified 20 million in payments from foreign sources to the Bidens and their associates, and that Hunter Biden sold Vice President Joe Biden's influence as the brand. Uh, Charlie Kirk put out a good tweet about this, basically saying House Oversight has now identified over 20 million from foreign oligarchs that flowed into Biden family coffers. The findings come from Oversight's third bank memo detailing finding sources from Russia, Kazakhstan, and Ukraine. Once again, payments were distributed in smaller increments to the Biden family members and associates to apparently conceal the source and size of the funding. This one's my favorite part. In one instance, however, the money trail is obvious. In April of 2014, Kazakhstani oligarch uh, wired $142,300 to Rosemont Seneca. The next day, a payment was made for Rosemont Seneca for a sports car for Hunter Biden for $142,300. Coincidence? I think not. So, you know, he goes on to say the key finding is the connection between Joe and Hunter is clear as day. Hunter received millions uh, from all of these foreign oligarchs. Vice President Biden had dinner with all of them between 2014 and 2014. So Biden uh, basically sold the family brand, the family name, the family influence. And uh, that's that's nothing new. That's nothing new. And they're going to continue to get away with it because we have no justice system in the United States. Uh, also, this came out a little while back, but still worth bringing up, new batch of Facebook files shows social media giant continually bowed to Biden's demands, Jim Jordan said. Now, apparently, uh, Joe Biden basically put pressure on Facebook to remove certain COVID posts. And then Facebook was like, Okay, yeah, we could do that. Uh, Representative Jim Jordan shared another batch of newly subpoenaed documents that he said reveal Facebook bowed to the Biden White House's pressure to remove posts from the social media platform. Uh, Jordan, who chairs the House Judiciary Committee, 
committee noted it wasn't the Biden admin's first pressure campaign because in July 2021, Facebook's head of global affairs asked why Facebook had been censoring the COVID lab leak theory. The answer was clear because we were under pressure from the administration. We shouldn't have done it and provided an email as evidence. And then it goes on to talk about how... Um, in the summer of 2021, the White House was mounting a nationwide push for Americans to get vaccinated for COVID-19. Part of that push included a public and secret campaign to get Facebook to more aggressively police vaccine-related content, including true information. But because they have the Biden name covering their family, I think they're going to be a-okay, guys. They go ahead and uh, they're going to get away with that. Now, let's take a peek at how the economy is doing. We have Kamala working very closely with the Bidens, number two, if you will, uh, talking about inflation, right? The Bidens, a horrible job at the border, horrible job trying to get crime under control, but maybe the economy is holding up. Okay, let's see what Vice President Kamala has to say about it. Wages are up and inflation has fallen 12 months in a row. Think about that. Wow, inflation has fallen 12 months in a row. Now, this is one of my favorite things echoed by the Biden administration because it was because of their economic policy that we reached a 40-year record high inflation. So they basically drove inflation prices up to a record high. And now that it's slowly lowering, because I don't think we're back to the point where we were when Trump was in office. And now they're like, it's lowering 12 months in a row. We also created 13 million jobs. And people are like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you guys shut down the economy and then allowed it to reopen back up. So you didn't really create... 13 million jobs you just took 13 million jobs away and then gave them back but okay um so there's kamala on the state of the economy from nbc news as well credit card balances jump and are above 1 trillion for the first time total credit card debt increased by 45 billion in april through june an increase in more than four percent and just above one trillion, and apparently this is because Americans increasingly turn to their credit cards to make ends meet, heading into summer, sending those balances over one trillion dollars for the first time ever per the New York Federal Reserve. So things are going so well in this country that the average American is now using their credit card to make ends meet, and we are now above one trillion in credit card debt. Uh, by the way, per CNBC, with just eight percent of new vehicles costing under thirty thousand dollars, it's the least affordable car market in modern history. Very interesting. Everything is just more expensive. Inflation is up. But no, guys, the economy is doing great. Inflation is down. It's not more expensive to go grocery shopping. Gas isn't at another high right now. It's not $4 a gallon in some place. Uh, we are not dependent on Saudi Arabia and Russia who are cutting their oil export at all. <laughs> Don't worry about that, guys. Not a big deal. I mean, the economy is doing so bad that even the Hollywood uh, writers that are on strike are now taking financial hits. Now, I absolutely love this story because one, uh, Hollywood writers should all just be fired. I don't think I've seen one good movie, one good sitcom, one nothing. No, I haven't really seen any good entertainment come out of Hollywood. And so these Hollywood writers have been on strike for 100 days. And uh, 
now they're taking financial hits. It's really funny how this is phrased. Uh, I feel like I'm subsidizing the strike with my saving in a way that's starting to get scary, one writer said. And then oil-filled rando responds to this headline and goes, oh, neat, kind of like that time me and my friends were all getting laid off from the oil field because they shut down the world. And Hollywood just kept saying, stay home and save lives as we tried to find work for months on end. So, you know, it's just really funny because the people who were really impacted by COVID and the same Hollywood elites that were like, just stay home to save lives um, are now complaining because they have to stay home and they're not working and they actually feel the impact of that. And it's not fun. It's not fun when you can't pay your bills. Now let's go ahead and get into a little bit of cultural commentary here. Let's see what's going on on the culture side of the country. How are things going? Oh, another person has been canceled for liking a meme. Amazing. We are so soft. NASCAR suspended driver Noah Gragson after he appeared to like an insensitive George Floyd meme. So apparently uh, Gragson, who's 25 years old, was suspended indefinitely uh, because the Legacy Motor Club was like this meme does not represent the values of our teams apparently he violated the stock car racing member conduct section of its rules um, in part that says members should not publicly disparage people based on their backgrounds apparently the suspension is going to be indefinite now the journalist who dug into an investigated journalist that investigated this NASCAR driver for liking this meme was Daniel McFadden. He looks exactly as you would expect him to. He said, now Raxon made a big mistake. I did my due diligence to make sure it was real. My column on Gregson deserves suspension. So he basically gets this guy in trouble. And I just want to show you the meme in question. Okay. It's George Floyd meme. He's Sebastian from Little Mermaid and the meme says under the knee under the knee and the most interesting part about this meme I don't know if this was even the actual meme this is from Andrew Torba he said this is the meme he liked that got him suspended I'm rolling so this is per Andrew Torba I don't know if this is necessarily true but more importantly it's like it's, it's some people would say this is an offensive meme uh, but it got 1.5 million views and over on almost 25,000 likes just to give you guys an idea of again the humor of Americans I talked about this last week as well where Japan was trying to cheat to tease the United States about 9-11 and then every American was like what Japan doesn't know is that Americans make fun of 9-11 more than any other country. Uh, so again, it's just, it's ridiculous if this is the meme that got this NASCAR driver suspended. It's, it's, it's like, are, are we serious? Is this how soft we've gotten as a country that this guy likes a joke that's, uh, that is supposed to be a joke that is clearly a joke and he loses his job over it. And this is something that's happened time and time again. It's something that we've seen. Uh, Elon Musk actually highlighting this issue because he understands how severe it's gotten saying if you were unfairly treated by your employer due to posting or liking something on this platform we will fund your legal bill no limit please let us know and then libs of tiktok responded uh, limited run games fired an employee for following libs of tiktok on twitter hope elon musk can help her and then Elon responded, is that accurate? And then she's like, yes, it's accurate. Please help. So I believe that Elon actually is paying attention to this case. And uh, it will be very interesting to see what happens, to see if Elon is really able to help people. Because, again, we've gotten to a point in society where 
you can't like a joke that's clearly a joke without getting canceled and fired uh, off the face of the earth. Um, meanwhile, if you are black in America and hate white people, that's supposed to be applauded. And we're supposed to take that as a joke, like actual rampant racism for black people towards white people. We're just supposed to brush off and say it's fine. Now, this is a black supremacist, right? This woman is a self-pronounced black supremacist. She went by Claire Kyle on Twitter and she basically... We saw all of these posts, okay? Because her sister is apparently either dating or like hanging out with a white man. And these are the posts. Woke up to my sister being the biggest disappointment I've ever seen. Look at the color of the arm wrapped around my sister. My poor sis laid up with a pasty in my house. And she goes on to be like, I'm inconsolable. How many white classmates does she have? My sis is letting all of Europe take turns with her. Mad that her sister is hanging out with a white man. And then she goes on to ask her boyfriend to come over and kill these white guys because they look like Trump supporters. Now, this woman came forward and she was bragging because, you know, people on Twitter started blowing this up and they were like, yeah, that's actually pretty racist. Found out that she was a teacher and she was like, my job's secured. I'm not worried about it. I'm not getting fired. Well, a great update to this is that she has been fired by the school board after her racist post. Now, you guys might be like, Seth, um, how is this any different from the NASCAR driver being suspended for liking the meme? Now, that joke was clearly a joke. You should be able to like a joke and like a meme. There you guys go. That's the difference between it versus being like rampantly racist. Again, if we reverse the roles here, and this is a white woman who hated black people to the point of being like, they need to die. You think that white woman should be around black children per se? You think this black woman should be around white children? No, or around white people, like the actual racism, not okay, not a good thing in society, should be punished. I do agree with that, uh, with her losing her job because she works at a school. So she gets fired because of the racist post. And it was just funny to me because, again, it's like, yeah, you said you weren't going to get fired and you got fired. Congratulations. Now, Another interesting story that has been making its ways is Neo. Now, Neo went on this podcast, Vlad TV, and the topic of child gender transition was brought up and he was asked his thoughts on it. And he was basically like, why would you let a five-year-old decide his own gender? Why would you let a child decide this? If you gave a five-year-old the decision to eat candy for dinner, he would do that because he's a kid and kids don't know any better. So he basically, you know, pushed back against gender ideology. And then his publicist went on his Twitter account and put out this apology. And Neo was like, no, actually, I don't agree with this apology and doubled down on his statement. So here, here's what he had to say. Here's a small excerpt of his full apology. However, this is something I feel very strongly on. And I need y'all to hear this from the horse's mouth, not the publicist's computer. So check this out. First and foremost, I do not apologize for having an opinion on this matter. I am a 43-year-old heterosexual man raising five boys and two girls, okay? That's my reality. Now, if my opinion offended somebody, yeah, sure, I apologize for you being offended because that wasn't my intention. My intention is never to offend anybody. However, I'm entitled to feel how I feel. I'm absolutely entitled to feel how I feel the same way you are entitled to feel how you feel. I ain't asked nobody to follow me. I ain't asked nobody to agree with me. I was asked a question and I answered the damn question. Okay. So that was Neo's response. This is a full two minute apology. And he basically doubles down. He's like, yeah, that's, I stand by what I said. Now, later on in the apology, he also says like, I mean, do what you want with your kids. 
if I have no beef with the LGBTQ community and there were some people that were like, this isn't really a good apology. To be quite honest, like seeing somebody come out and double down and say, no, I stand by what I said to me is a great thing to see. So it was nice to see him be like, yeah, I actually don't agree with um, child transition surgery. That's a, that's a take that we don't commonly see in the modern day because it's not popular, which again is really weird because, you know, these little kids we're talking about, but it is what it is. Now, speaking of kids, speaking of things that need to be protected, one of the things that needs to be protected is women's sports in the modern day. And Texas actually just signed the Save Women's Sports Act into law. This happened just two days ago. So we're seeing some very positive movements here in Texas. Very good on that front. Also, the World uh, Aquatics announced an open category for transgender athletes to protect women's competitions. Now, this was in response to Leah Thomas, right? I believe it was back in uh, 20, 2022 when Leah Thomas initially won the NCAA Swimming Championships. The World Aquatics governing body of swimming worldwide was like, yeah, we can't have transgender athletes competing. And they are now making their own open category for transgender athletes, which I think is a great thing. Okay, go ahead and let the transgender athletes compete against other transgender athletes. Don't allow biological men to compete against women. It isn't fair. So I was happy to see this, uh, this new step in sports this new involvement in the protection and saving of women's sports so it's absolutely incredible now speaking of women we're going to get into one of y'all's favorites lizzo i'm just kidding now lizzo funny enough has been hit with a lawsuit for uh fat shaming and sexual harassment hilarious that happened last week and this week She's facing more accusations, and this is the headline from the New York Post. Fired when they get fat, Lizzo faces accusations from three more dancers. So all of these dancers are coming out and saying, like, Lizzo told them that if they got too fat, that she was going to fire them, that she made them eat bananas out of strippers' hoo-hahs and, like, made them sex put them in sexually uncomfortable situations, and that Lizzo is just an all-out tyrant. And the funniest part of this headline to me is that it basically debunks uh, the entire body positivity movement, right? The concept of the body positivity movement is it's sold to you, it's sold to women uh, by obese people as a beautiful thing that everybody's going to accept, but not even the head honchos of the body positivity movement believe what they're selling or agree with what they're saying. So uh, really interesting on that front. Uh, last few stories here and we'll wrap up. This tweet has been going viral because it didn't come out two years ago. It just came out two days ago. Relationship ending argument with my partner of 17 years. She stopped wearing a mask today. Let me make my own decisions and stop trying to control me. When I gave her facts about the virus, I'm not trying to control. I'm trying to save everyone in this house. F everything. So this man got into an argument with his partner because she stopped wearing a mask in August of 2023. 
And then he said that he was justified in doing this because he's trying to save everybody in the entire house. It's just so ridiculous to me. And the reason why, like, I thought that this was a joke, but apparently this man is serious. He was like, I'm, I'm so for by all the support. Thank you. And there's genuine comments in here that are like, oh, you did the right thing. How did you? I can't believe that you explained it all to her and she still didn't get it. And it's so sad to me. Because we have people like this in the modern day, because uh, these are our leaders. Dr. Fauci's out, but we have his replacement, and this is Dr. Fauci's replacement in 2023. Here is some of the scientific rhetoric we're getting that is making people so crazy that they're ending 17-year relationships over face masks in 2023. Please consider wearing a mask when you go out. You don't need to wear one when you're at home. Masks in young People going to school over the age of six, all the things we've been talking about, mask wearing, hand hygiene, and social distancing. Masks have contributed to the control of this pandemic in other communities. Even mask wearing, except when you're eating, you can prevent it with very good masks. The three basic rules, wear a mask, make sure you wash your hands frequently or use hand sanitizer, and keep your distance. Am I in crazy land? Did I take crazy pills this morning? Or is that the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life? Yeah, it's the latter. So those are our officials that are leading us in the name of science, in the name of safety, in the name of nonsense. And that's why you have people in the United States of America who genuinely think that face masks still need to be put on their children and worn inside of their homes or worn at all times except for eating. Now, we'll end the show on a funny note. Uh, Sydney... Watson, my good friend, put this tweet out the other day. I had to show you guys because I was like, what the heck? She said, I found the male version of Sav Says yesterday and I needed all of you to know. If you're a podcast listener, go to the Rumble channel. Link is down below. Scroll to the end of the show and check out this photo. It's, it's kind of hilarious. She says, I have a secret twin and she found the male version of me. And then she puts these two photos up one against the other. Absolutely hilarious. I have a twin, a doppelganger. And with that, we are wrapping rapid fire. Thank you guys so much for watching, listening, liking, subscribing, leaving those five star reviews. I appreciate each and every single one. Remember, we are going to be having our exclusive merch drop in October. So wait patiently for that. Go leave a five star review if you haven't. Go to subscribe star and subscribe there if you want some behind the scenes on what that merch is going to look like before anybody else. And uh, also, what else? Website, safsaysofficial.com. Go follow me on all of the links below. Thank you for being here. Make sure that you're on Rumble, okay? If you don't like YouTube, we got the platform over there. Thank you guys so much for always being here and uh, for supporting my work. I also put out a short form video for you guys. I know a lot of you guys were like, I don't have time for an hour long show. So go check that out. Let me know what you think in the comments. Thank you guys so much for watching. And that's all I've got for you tonight. See you guys next time.